Live from Area 51, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Tim. Hello, Nick. So, at first I wasn't sure where we were. I looked across the area and said it was Area 50, and I thought, oh, probably 51. Eh, probably. Um, it's, it is hard. People think Area 51 is this big scientific place, but actually, all I see are rows and rows of box of boxes. Yeah. Of wooden boxes. It's they're, And they're all kind of around the same shape. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's inconvenient. Yeah. But no. as long as as long as we don't have anyone crashing in here and trying to kick us out or steal anything, yeah, or like those alien zombie things from that video game. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, we'll be okay. Yeah. So it's been a while. It has been a while. Hi, Tim. Um, at least since we recorded, anyway. You have a beard now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've been stuck here for a while. <laughs> Whatever that means. Okay. Anywho, we finally we were like looking through the boxes and finally found some recording equipment and thought. Come help us, please. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's about time, too, because this is a special occasion, Nick. Yeah, this is our uh, second um, anniversary. Hard to believe we've been doing this for two years now. Uh, yes. Especially as infrequent as it's become. What do you mean? We've been doing it <laughs> regularly, yes. once a month, mm -hmm. obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but today we thought, instead of doing any actual work, we just do a clip show. Yes, because we have, we have plenty of resources, plenty of clips we can... Uh, play things back you may, you. Things may have forgotten about, good old-fashioned, you know, chestnuts. Stuff that you may not even remember us talking about, but obviously we did. Yes, so uh, we dug back into the archives. We had lots of time to go listen through all our episodes again. Mm -hmm. and We picked the best of the things that have not been talked about. Yes, exactly. So, uh, what's what's first on our list there, Nick? Well, I think we're going to go revisit our episode um, where we talked about uh, feminism. Feminism, and, and that, fiction. right. Yes. It was a very good episode. It was a very good episode. Yes, okay. Um, and later in the episode, we had a couple guests on, but we, we, we don't need that couple, part. No, yeah. exactly. So, okay, well, let's, let's listen then. Okay. So, Tim, you, you've heard of this uh, test, right? About whether things are... Um, whether things are girly or not? Well, not quite girly. I mean, that oh. test is if they're wearing bonnets during the movie. Oh, right. Uh, or if it's written by Jane Austen. Exactly. Um, or during Jane Austen? Or a Jane Austen, <laughs> based on a Jane Austen novel. Yes. 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 Yeah, obviously. Or, no, if, or if it has Meg Ryan in it. Meg Ryan works. Or if it's on Lifetime. <laughs> yes. Although that takes a certain kind of female. That's true. But anyway. That's kind of more aggressive feminism there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but what, tell me of this test that you were thinking Well. About. I was introduced to it by our friend uh, Leah Angel, I believe. Okay. Who who has you that's know, not her name, is it? Leah Johnson now. Okay. It's yes. It's called the Bechel test. I don't know if that's how you say it. B e c h e l. Okay. It's kind of a test for movies to see if it has a certain amount of uh, females who are doing important things and not just being stand-ins for the plot. Okay. Um, yeah. And if I remember from my memory, I might be missing one of the steps, but it's like two or three questions, very simple. One is, is there more than one female in the movie? And two, do they talk about things other than guys? Do they have uh, other wants, needs, desires? And I, and I can see the point of this. I mean, because many times... They're the girlfriend, the They're basically thrown distress. in because they're supposed to be in there. It makes a good movie. Mm. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, even good movies fall into this, like Up. Okay. You know, girls and Up. No, that's true. Um, it's not feminist. 
It's a chauvinist movie. Um, <laughs> About two old guys. And I remember looking on one side, and the TV shows tend to pass much better than movies do. You have a lot more. You have time, and they have all their things they deal with. Sure, yeah, that makes um, sense. But sometimes I wonder whether it's even... No, I'm not a female. Oddly. Yes. I mean... Well, that's... yeah, Not that's, oddly, that's but... Not oddly. <laughs> but, um, but I wonder, you know, I, I get the, the argument against, you know, they're always a damsel in distress. But part of me wonders... Is that always bad? Is it just a knee-jerk react? I mean, it's used a lot, and sometimes in a cliche way. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure it's a a faulty well, or even or even anti-woman. Oh, well, it really depends in some ways, though, on your na- on your understanding of the nature of men and women, though. That's true. Because I mean, you you know, the author of Wild at Heart and his wife, you know, they they wrote a whole lot about this, and that you know, there's. A certain part of a woman that wants to be pursued, that wants to be rescued, or, or something, mm-hmm. and there'd be some feminists who'd be very strongly against that. Um, but other women be like, "Yeah, I, I want to be sought after by a man." Well, I think what the, what they don't like is the weakness in the damsel in distress. Yeah, and not necessarily that they don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, protected or whatever, but is the fact that they're helpless, the the helpless damsel in distress, right? Or the damsel who has no other ideas in their head besides you know and i i've always for me i've always felt like in modern society and this you know in the past this may not have been the case but i don't know that most men really have a problem necessarily with having a more strong-minded female character you know it's sometimes when they try to do a strong-minded character they go overboard and she's like so aggressive that she becomes unlikable almost yeah. which that's a different issue but i mean we we talked about this some other time in regards to like female action heroes because sometimes it becomes this huge deal and like you know characters like when Bray was coming out it was going to be this huge deal that we have this princess character who's tough and you know wants to be independent and all this kind of stuff and, but then at the same time I think for most guys if you have a good solid action movie if it's a good character they're not doesn't really bother us if it's female i mean there's lots of guys who like you know the hunger games legend of Korra, who have strong female characters and, and i wonder if it's not so much a issue with the reader i don't think readers even think about it normally i, 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 think, I don't know that they do yeah I, well some do i'm sure but i don't I'm, think it's a major concern for most people who's in it they just want a good story well i, I suppose it's a crutch sometimes for the writer yeah. Well, I mean, genre certainly matters a lot. Yeah. I mean, men are just always not going to be as interested in romances. Yeah. Um, but I think it's faulty to say that men would not be interested in action-adventure stories with a female protagonist. I, I think... I, I, I think Katniss kind of proves that wrong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Hunger Games is kind of a big deal now. Yeah. I mean... And the I, movie comes out next week. Oh, yeah, the movie. I can't wait to see the I movie, honestly. Really, and Natasha's going to go midnight showing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. It should be good from yeah. all accounts. Yeah. And I hear this Brave is supposed to be really good too. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, obviously, obviously we're both men, so we'll have to talk. We'll have to take this over to one of our uh, female guests that which, we'll talk to, and she'll she'll go into she'll, she'll she'll tell us what we got wrong. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that was an excerpt from our feminism. Yeah, and if you want to hear the interview, really good interview, just go check it out. A couple episodes back. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it if you dig through our archives. Yeah. All right. What's what's next on Let's your see. list? Nick? What's next? Um, oh, we had that really academic one. Oh that yes. I, that I, I kind of had this this um, deep need to talk about punctuation. 
Yes. And you know how it's changed over since Dickens. Well, because it's it's so undervalued nowadays. Well, like I've been teaching I've been teaching my students, you know, just recently, and you know, they just don't understand, you know, the semicolon. What's the use of it? Mm-hmm. So um, so we try to tackle that, and it's been quite a number of times ago, but yeah, I thought it was worth revisiting because I'm now teaching these students, and it, it just came up again. Sure. Good to hear. All right. So, the Oxford comma. Yes, tell me. I, I know you've spent hours of research into how the comma was developed, so well, tell me more about that. Well, what I would like to, well, we'll get to that. Okay. But really what I just want to know is, I don't know why newspapers and modern writing wanted to take out that last comma in the list. You know, it's like eggs, mm. comma, bread, and jam. When I, traditionally, it's always been eggs, comma, bread, comma, jam. Wait, say that again? Originally, you know, a lot of new papers and stuff are trying to make it so it's eggs, comma, bread, and jam. Oh, no yes. No last comma. No comma before the and. Before the and, which I don't see what the purpose is. It's like, there's been this steady assault against commas since Dickens' times. Back in Dickens' times, every time you had a random pause, you just put a comma. Yeah. It made a lot of sense. Well, Poe, I mean, Dickens, all those guys, and you just comma, comma, comma. Well, I, th- I think it has something to do with the bigotry against run-on sentences. There's there's this there's, there's this very bad impression in modern times that a run on like a sentence needs to come to an ending much earlier than it does. Whereas people like Paul, um, you know, like you said, Faulkner. Dickens. Yeah, I mean, they, their sentences would last an entire paragraph. Yeah, at least it's not half a chapter. And I think the I think because of this bigotry, the comma has been very like, persecuted because like of it. most of the woes of modern writing, I blame Hemingway. Hemingway, yes. So I can't tell you how much I have. Poor Hemingway. He is one of the so worst. I, I, I just, I won't even, I'm, I'm too much emotion. Uh, I, okay. I, I understand. We'll, so, we'll, we'll move so on let's, to let's move on. Let's, let's, I'll come back to the comma. Yeah, you asked a good question about the history, but I thought maybe move on to the semicolon, which is also horribly underused now. Mm. I remember some guy, first time he saw a semicolon in a presidential campaign uh, speech, again, he thought, we're getting back to literature. Yeah. And because we can't during, have that now. Well, because during he, he was during the Bush administration, he said that you never saw semicolons, and now you see them again. And so it's kind of a re- renaissance in that very vital punctuation that you know when you don't want a full period, but a comma just is a comma splice. Yes. So yes, semicolons are becoming an endangered species. And you know another big uh, perpetrator against this, texting. Man, I can't believe all the ways these kids these days use. You, ridiculous uh, yeah, no, abbreviations yeah, and poor... I get whole I get whole essays that have no vowels in them. And it just it's ridiculous. I mean, well, I'm reading the essay on my phone because I told him to email me. Right. But still, it's Obviously. not it's not right. Yeah, no. You got to take that much longer to add the, you know, the proper proper uh, capitalizations the, yeah. and and full words. Yeah, I, I'm totally with I mean, you, Nick. BRB? Burb? What does that mean? Who knows? I don't, I don't... Kids these days. <sighs> Man. So it, we kind of we kind of got off tra- topic there a couple times. A couple times, but really a lot of really solid stuff about commas, periods, the the dash, the long dash, which mm-hmm. you know is a very vital part of a, a of a vibrant si- sentence and and a vibrant society and a vibrant society because punctuation is the glue that holds together the ideas that make culture. Exactly, I couldn't have said it better myself, Nick. 
It's a little long. That one ran a little over. It was like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, I think. Yeah, and that's after I cut out like a good 40 minutes. Yeah, we have that sidetrack with the, yeah. the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. So if if you are longing for the days of proper punctuation, if the abbreviation of texting just wounds your soul, you should check out this episode. And if it doesn't wound your soul... Then you shouldn't be listening yeah, to our I, podcast I, I, at I all. I don't, I don't know what you're doing here. Okay, what's next in your your what's oh, next okay. in your list? Next? Okay, sorry, I was I was had to recover. Yeah. Um. Oh, we had that very interesting conversation um, about Looney Tunes. Yes, this was a very in depth discussion. Yeah. So let's we won't spoil it if you haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. But um. Well, here it is. I think it's very clear that Wiley e. Coyote is an elaborate metaphor for the story of Job. For the Job, because look, think about how much he suffers and how much he goes through without really, you know, much provocation. I mean, all he wants to do is is fill his stomach. Well, that's interesting because at first you think Wiley e. Coyote, you know, the name makes you think more the the archetypal trickster god, you know, the Loki and the you know that sort of god. Exactly. But I think you're right that. Louis, the, the creators have very cleverly played us. Yes. They made Wiley e. Coyote the suffering hero. Mm-hmm. And they made um, the Roadrunner, who's apparently the good guy, the kind of the tempter, the, the satanic um, vision. The angel of light. Even. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, I mean, the theological depth of that confusion, it, it's a very good postmodern view of the world where you don't know which way is right and which way is wrong. That you have this. And Wiley Coyote, he's confused. He doesn't know which way to turn. He keeps turning to this acme of device or that acme device. And he's just trying so many things that don't feel what he really needs. Mm, it's it's a materialism addiction is what the Roadrunner has, has caused him to go through. And even a bit, I mean, I, there's even a little bit of a sadism sort of dwelt in that. He continue even though he knows it's all futile. His, his struggle. He continues to go through with this cycle of torture anyway. It's like, it's like Paul says, you know, what I should do, I don't do. And what I shouldn't do, I keep doing. Yes. I keep on doing that. That's, yeah, he's just stuck. And he can't move forward. It is pretty tragic. Yeah, I just... I, I can't watch any of those without just feeling that... Just a, a pain, a burden for for mankind. For the for the lost humanity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now, in contrast, it's very, you know... We shouldn't say that all the Looney Tunes protagonists are not who they seem to be because Bugs Bunny truly represents the savior of the world. Yes. I mean, he, he has literally saved the earth from destruction. And what's so, you know, what's so great about Bugs Bunny is he has this this joy welling up from inside of him that he, he always kind of knows what's going on. He has, you know, this sort of supernatural sense about what he should do in any situation. Mm-hmm. He's never really put off. He's content in this case, in that case. I mean, a very uh, a role model for many many uh, situations. It is it is very interesting to see how how Bugs is a much so patient, especially in the face of like uh, one of his antagonists, like say Daffy Duck. Or, or Daffy is is always he's full of anger and rage, and but Bugs is very calm and collected. Well, and the and the he suffers so much persecution from people like Elmer Fudd, and he never he never gets down. He never you know he just. He keeps his chin up, even mm-hmm. despite this constant persecution from from these ignorant people who do not understand what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. 
And it is, and it really is uh, remarkable too how you know it is a metaphor for the Christian life. We are constantly meant to be pushing guns in people's faces, and and you know blowing their beaks off. I couldn't say, and then occasionally we'll just we'll start underground churches, just get down and go to Seville and go you know re pop back up. Mm -hmm. And occasionally, you know, we may take that that wrong turn at Albuquerque, but we know that eventually, even even after persecution, we will find the right path. All things work together for good. Ex yeah, exactly. Man, that was so deep. Yeah, and there's just so much. You know, we talked about if you haven't, we talked about you know the the perversions of love with um, Pepe Le Pew, mm -hmm. and we got the the feeling the strangers in a strange land with. Um, Speedy Gonzalez. And, and there's, we went into very de detail about uh, the book of James and the taming of the tongue when it comes to foghorn leghorn yeah. and how, you know, just your words can really, really come back and, to hit you in the, in the rear end. And just the, the, the freeing um, creativity that God's given us through, um, you know, duck dodgers. Yes. Kind of that that ex those expand those uh, horizons just expand before us if we let them. Which and just goes to show that even someone as corrupt as Daffy Duck can find the hero the heroism in inside himself if he has a, a partner to help him find. Yeah. It. So yeah. yeah, very true. Excellent episode. Yes, really one one of our one of our deepest. One yeah, definitely. So what's next on your list? Let's see here. Um. Oh, a very practical one after our theological one. Way back when I don't know beginning of this year. We did um, how to beat writer's block, and oh, yes. I remember hearing from a lot of people that really helped them move forward, get and... through. Because writer's block is something that a lot of us struggle yeah. with. Yeah. So okay, yeah, let's take a listen. So we'll go to the meat of what we were going for. Um. Well, let's see. I had something I was going to say. Oh, wait. no, that wouldn't work. Sometimes, if you just. You just, I no, I said that I said that five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I I thought I was better prepared for this one. Yeah, I thought so too. You want to go watch Rift Tracks? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, let's do okay. It. So that was our writer's block yeah. episode. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. You know, we don't always get real practical, and that one was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is. Oh, we got two more before our our, our halfway break. Okay. What okay. Do we first, got? um, you know, we we want to talk about animals. We don't talk about animals all the time. And Not we were, very often, no. And we thought we could do episodes and episodes and animals. Mm -hmm. You know, on the on the dog, on the cat, on the turtle. You know, but we thought we'd just focus on those animals they use in disaster movies. You know, which are vital to disaster. We can't oh, write man. one without them. So we anyway. want to know how how serious a disaster was without one. Yeah. So all right, let's say listen. Yeah, here's one of the worst memories. Have you seen Dante's Peak? No. Okay. So I'm watching it with my family. Dante's Peak's horrible, horrible movie. Um, Just lots of bad stuff happening. Well, it's 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 a volcano that explodes and it starts. You know, there's, there's a town at the base and it starts destroying everything and you know people trying to escape like any other disaster movie. And there's this place where there's like this acidic water. I don't even remember how it happens. And the grandma is trying to save like the kid and walking through and just dying. The grandma's just being eaten alive. Ugh. But the dog gets across. And then you think, well, at least the dog made it. I mean, my grandmother, 
who, you know, served me snacks and put me to bed and babysat me. She's dead, horribly, horribly mangled. Her bones have been eaten of flesh, but the dog made it. And I thought, at least that. Yeah. It, it was a, you always need that one little bit of hope in that, there. That, that last bit of hope, because, mm-hmm. you know, some people say dogs aren't people, but they are. They are. And, you know, that's why it was so important for that dog to survive an Independence Day. Exactly. Because, I mean, the movie would have been horrible if the dog had died. I mean, so, yes, you can say that the dog really, you never saw it before that point, that it didn't really play any part in the movie. But then you're, you're misunderstanding the metaphysical impact that a dog jumping out of the way as hundreds of thousands of other people die, burned alive, screaming, wondering mm. what happened. Well, that you know, that dog stands for all kinds of things. And we, we know this is why that Old Yeller is considered the most infamous, vilest, most hated movie in movie history. Like, Walt Disney won't even release it anymore because everyone just hates that the dog died. Yeah, because if everything else goes wrong and the dog lives, you know that the sun will come out tomorrow. Man, that was an emotional episode. uh, Yeah, I just... I'll be right back and go up and hug my dog. Okay. Oh, you're back. How's Lenny? Great. Yeah, I just had to pet her a little bit and give her a little treat. That's good. Yeah. She's alive. I think we need to get to a a much more manlier topic Yes, a manlier topic. So, you know, we start off this recap with uh, feminism. We're we're going to start end with something much more... um, Michael Bay. Yes, I agree. So, this is from the episode. You all, you all remember this. One. This is this is a favorite. We got scores of letters just praising us for the glories of this episode. Explosions. Why are they so awesome? That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. That was all right. Yeah, that was that was cleansing. That was cleansing. That was. If we can get every episode as good as that yeah, one, yeah, then we'll have made it. We'll, you know, we'll be the top of our game. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. So, Tim, uh, you want to do our first soundtrack? Okay, let's go on the soundtrack. fun since this is the second anniversary and all and it's sort of a clip show we have had a dual meaning for picking this this is actually the song that we originally used for the soundtrack intro our first little soundtrack jingle so you'll sound a bit familiar this is called late night sneaking it's from the game jet set radio which i guess the original game uh had some clips from different movie stuff in it too and so or, or the music was very was very kind of techno-y, yeah. kind of like this. Tech, yeah. So it was very inspired by this. The remixer is Happy Bivouac, or Happy Bivouac, or something like that. I got the unpronounceable name this time. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's a classic. Hope you enjoy. What's going on? 
going on? I don't understand what's going on here. That's a really fun song. That's it's a remix that I think I really just burst out laughing the first time I heard it. It's very very catchy. Yeah. Um. So next we're going to what well, we call this? Well, we're still doing clip show stuff. Oh really. yeah. It's just we're talk we're talking about clip shows that were part of our take on tales. Throughout the summer, you know, every episode we would do some take on tale and mention some movie. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd put, put some of those clips together and kind of give you a review of... Of the summer's movies. Yes. So I feel like largely this summer has been kind of about two movies, uh, Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises. Which are both equally entertaining, but very, very different. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can really... You know, some people ask, which is better? I don't know if that's a valid question. 
I mean, they both serve different purposes in a sense. I almost wonder if Avengers might have been slightly more successful in audience satisfaction, if only in the sense like Avengers, you got exactly what you had wanted to see in it, pretty much. You know, you wanted yeah. to see the heroes kind of fight and well, then take down maybe, the bad guy. They, they built up, you know, each movie. In the, I mean, which is actually a genius, yeah. genius move of marketing. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like it in but, terms of so movie making. We're in love and all, with all the characters, except possibly the Hulk. Yeah. Depending on your take on his various movies. Yeah. Um, which I never saw the second one. I've, I haven't actually seen either one of them. Um, oh, which, I haven't seen either, actually, either. Which I think is half the problem. I think, I mean, we're comic book people, and we we couldn't get excited about the Hulk movie. Kind of like how I could never get excited about Spider-Man this year. Yeah, I, I never went and saw that one. I, I know uh, one our most faithful listener, Greg, really liked it. I've heard uh, good stuff about it. I've but... heard it just, uh, but it was like, uh, in a movie that had the Avengers and the culmination of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy... It really just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Which actually, I'll throw this out here now. You know, even after we did a recap last for our last uh, re- anniversary thing, remember we still never actually talked about one of the movies we saw last summer, which was Pirates Four, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah. See, that's yeah. another movie. Like it came out that summer. You it just kind of came kinda, and it went. Yeah. It, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. But it didn't really great. Stick, it didn't really stick with you. Yeah. Um. But anyway. So Avengers, I felt like people really got what they were looking for. Dark Knight Rises, people mostly enjoyed, but there was some... I think the people who didn't like it was because there was some aspect of it that didn't go according to their expectations. Because it was very... I mean, Avengers, for the most part, was a pretty straightforward movie. The hard part for Josh Whedon was just to make all the characters awesome. Yeah, have, have give them equal Which he did, screen he did time. an amazing job on, making yeah, them all awesome. It couldn't have been easy. No. These are all big personalities. And that was fun. That was fun. The fun of that movie is watching the characters play off each other. Dark Knight Rises is obviously a much more dark, serious movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very complex, I won't say ambiguous, but complicated mm-hmm. in the themes and the angles and the... Christopher Nolan expects you to follow a lot of stuff and in some cases really connect the dots into like how a person got here and stuff like that. I mean, because I think there were some people that who enjoyed it but pointed out a number of what they thought were plot holes online. It's like, uh, if you really think about it, I don't really see them being plot holes. I think I can fill those in pretty easily just going off of assumptions I was making as the movie went on. Yeah, because he likes to build puzzles. I mean, yes. his movies are puzzles. Yeah. And he doesn't want to hand you anything. Mm-hmm. To me, that's why I loved watching it. You know, it's a this you know a two and a half hour movie, and I always say about two hours, unless it's a good movie, I start being like, okay, let's get done with this. But you know, I'm I'm hooked for all of it. It moves. I mean, it's remarkably lean yeah. for being that. I mean, there's so much that happens. I don't think I could point to any part and say that could have been trimmed or something. It all felt. Like, it was important for the movie. all nice callbacks, and, you know, we have all this, mm-hmm. you know, French Revolution stuff. You know, just, you know, all these questions. He doesn't necessarily answer, you know, the thematic questions. He just kind of mm-hmm. lets them play out, which I think annoys some people. Some people like when they have, you know, mm-hmm. discussions about them. I, I read a really interesting uh, review in World Magazine, which I think has is always a refreshing place to, to read stuff. Is that the one? No, never mind. I don't think I saw that. What I thought was interesting that it pointed out, because this is a, you know, kind of a conservative Christian um, magazine, that Christopher Nolan said that the questions that he wanted to raise with this movie were ones that you wanted to go there or people were going there or something like that. And the magazine was, was sort of speculating, well, maybe a lot of times in Hollywood it says we people just don't want to go there. They, they're talking about something too edgy. In this case, it was sort of 
exploring the ramifications of what a lot of people in Hollywood might believe. Mm -hmm. Like the whole... Uh, Re like redistributing the, the wealth, you know, and, yeah. you know, and what what is the purpose of wealth and, and or of capitalism? Yeah, like there's that, and it pointed out, you know, that scene where like Bruce Wayne is like, well, why aren't we supporting the Zorfordage anymore? And the, and they're like, well, Wayne Corp doesn't have profits anymore, yeah. and if the corporation can't doesn't have profits, we can't donate to charity. What's interesting that in in some ways Gotham fell apart partly because of the lies and stuff from the previous movie, right. but partly because Bruce Wayne stopped being Bruce Wayne. Like he stopped being the millionaire mm -hmm. that invested in things and made things, and it is interesting. And to a certain extent, Gotham City did go was okay for a while without Batman, but it wasn't okay without Bruce Wayne. Yeah, which is a very interesting. Yeah, and, and I think that exploring of what the purpose of Bruce Wayne was, what the purpose of Batman was, what the purpose of all this disc all this discontent at lower levels is it is it noble? Is it not? Yeah, how much of a point do they have? I mean. You don't ever discredit the people who are feeling the pains of, of yeah. economic recession. I mean, a lot of this year, I was not, you know, underpaid or underworked, really, just you doing part-time jobs. I have a full-time one now, which I'm grateful for, but still, you know, this is after student loans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I understand how people feel pinched. Oh, yeah, completely. And I don't, and I don't, and the interesting, it didn't seem to downplay, like, Catwoman's character, who had been down and out and those people, but it kind of asked the question, is their solution a good solution? Yeah, it basically and, tears society apart. Yeah, and then and then Bane just kind of played with whatever people wanted. I mean, he didn't he didn't care what happened as long as everything went right hot. And I think there were some people who were kind of disappointed that Bane didn't believe everything that he was because they they really like having a villain that has a good point. And then which I don't know if there may have been some of that that he actually believed. Yeah. And I think he's you know like a lot of leaders with power they say what motivates whatever. the people. Mm -hmm. You know that that happens quite a bit. Whatever makes whatever gets the people on their side and riles them up, and right. So anyway, it very. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, and I'll and I'll throw out here too. I really did like. I had a big problem with the Dark Knight ending the way it did with basically the Batman and the police lying to the whole public, and I was really happy to see the ramifications of that play out in this movie. Semi really, I thought it was very interesting that at the end you have this giant scene of policemen charging the enemy, which you. You never see a police are not necessarily ever put in that sort of position in a movie where they're like the 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 righteous. The, the, yeah, yeah. You know, not not that they're always put down, but they're yeah, it's as heroic as they are in this movie. Yeah. Now, I, mean, I will grant the people that it was kind of ridiculous to have the entire police force down in the sewer. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's like that that is one plot hole I can kind of you I have mean, a point there. They, I mean, there are things that are kind of done for the sake of the ideas. I think Christopher Nolan cares more about his ideas sometimes than strict plausibility which becomes tricky in a when his franchise is kind of trying to make batman as realistic as possible yeah, so. yeah he pushes the envelope a little bit but yeah but i thought it was very fun so and i don't know if i could pick necessarily point out to say which one avengers or dark knight rises the best one they, they were both good for different purposes yeah i, I agree there what about but i get i get more talking points out of batman <laughs> this is this is very true <laughs> this is very true all right, so real quick, let's touch on some other ones um, from the summer. Brave? Brave is probably the only one. I actually really didn't see a whole lot of movies this summer. It was Natasha sad. likes to see movies, so we go see movies. Yeah, so you've got a lot. I know you saw a lot that I didn't see. But Brave was a good Disney movie. I'm not sure it was a great Pixar movie. Yeah, it was weird because I watched it, I liked it, but I couldn't, I couldn't love it. Mm -hmm. I can't really pinpoint exactly why. It just seemed a little too safe, maybe. It, it's Yeah, it seemed a little... Fam 
too familiar. I mean, they did a good job in avoiding some of the plot holes, or not plot holes, pitfalls that could have come with having a story yeah. that ma- this, it would made it be more cliche. Like, I mean, it was really good that she realized how much trouble she'd caused and yeah. she apologized yeah, for it. Yeah, I, I was like glad that. that it was not just, just the, the parents, parents are evil. Yeah, the parents are dumb and yeah. the kid knows what he wants. Yeah, um, I, was, I was really happy about that. But for a Pixar movie, it really skirted the boundaries of being really close to what we have, something that we have seen before. Yeah. And that was unfortunate. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. And I, I guess just personally, Animals as main characters doesn't. I'm sure it was still handled better than Brother Bear. Well, I've never seen Brother Bear. <laughs> well, I, and, I don't know. Bit. And it wasn't bad. And actually, it was kind of fun at the end that there was the Mother Bear, you know. Yeah. You know, what it was literal and not just a figurative mm-hmm. turn of phrase. Yeah. Protecting her cub. So, it, it, a, lot, a lot of neat ideas. It just, it wasn't necessarily that anything was wrong. It's just that something seemed to be lacking. Yeah. Just some oomph mm, for some. And some for E, you know, because the best Pixar's have such an ease about them of being just completely their own thing yeah yeah i agree which and i still haven't seen cars 2 have you i finally did see it did yeah. you finally see it what did you think of it <sighs> that one was the plot was it rehashed some stuff you know it's like the their friends and they get broken up and there's some evil nefarious plot and i it it was not it felt more like uh except for the way it was done which again you know pixar's animation is insanely awesome sure um it felt more like a two DVD sort of story. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it's quite that level, but it was not real memorable. It's like it had a lot of clever attempts, but none of them made a. It didn't have the emotional resonance, you know, yeah. like Wally, Red, Tui, um, right. Incredible have this. You have connections, you know, and this it just felt like a kind of a forced kind you of know, fun. You break, yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, but the they you know kind of this force break up between the friends and get together and you know does mater is mater dumb or not you know what what do people think about him and yeah kind of stuff that's been done before what i mean you can't make something completely new but just yeah it didn't it didn't impress me particularly okay i was just curious um i saw a couple different movies i saw prometheus i was really tempted to see prometheus because i but it was tricky for me because I, I enjoy Alien and Aliens, but at the same time, I wasn't sure I wanted to see them on a big screen. Um, that and I, I figured it would have some weird, dumb evolution. Aliens are the origin of man kind of stuff is what it seemed like. What? <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> come on. That's like the sci-fi, like... Big reveal that every sci-fi book does. Um, <laughs> I, it's like, I'm not sure why they think it's original anymore. I mean, Babylon 5 did. I mean... Yeah. Well, they did the angel. Yeah, I guess they weren't... They were. They involved themselves in Babylon 5, but the yeah. angels and the god were... At least Babylon 5 had this, like, very... Could build this very massive universe around it. I mean... It made sense with the with the Vorlons and stuff. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was big enough that I didn't mind too much, but... Yeah. Well, I, I had seen Alien Aliens forever ago. I mean, ages ago. I think Brian Churchill showed them to me originally. Yeah. Because okay, all, yeah. all movies that I should watch, I see from Brian Churchill. <laughs> um, and enjoy. Um, that's where I saw Godfather and other such things. Sure. Um, the first 30 minutes I was in love with because we saw it for Father's Day. Dad went to go to the movie. All the guys went. <laughs> Later on, Dad and Zach were asking, why did we go to that? Um, because they don't like <laughs> tension. They don't like... You know, suspense and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly. I could have told but them that's was, exactly the wrong kind of movie. I know they knew it, but it was the best thing on at the time. They wanted to go. And, know, yeah. But the first half hour is like an old school sci-fi movie. You know, they get in an old ship. There's 
cryostasis, there's the big shots. You know, it's like 2001 sort of style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is good. I haven't seen like an actual hard science fiction movie for ages. Uh-huh. I mean, everything's kind of, even if it's science fiction, it's fantasy mm-hmm. or space opera, which I love, but. Sure. But then it got a lot of that gore monster stuff. It was just too much for me. Too much just disgusting, mm-hmm. you know, things crawling people's mouths in their nose, people yeah. doing dumb things. You're like, why did you do that? Forced C-section that she does on herself. Yeah. It's just crazy. I, it was too much for me. Okay. I think some of the ideas were neat. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the characters felt like, like they, there was more that they were supposed to do, but they it got cut out or something. I don't know. I felt like some of the characters didn't quite reach their potential. Like there was something they were in theory going to do and they never did. Uh-huh. Um, so at the end, I was kind of, uh, I mean, see, there's a certain, there's a certain populace of sci-fi people that really like the kind of gory stuff. I mean, like I've, I've seen people with, who will ha- make a cake with the, like the chest yeah, burst or the cake. alien come out of the stomach sort of thing. That's honestly one of my least favorite parts of the first alien. I mean, it, it's memorable, but, it, and, it, and I mean, it's, it's scary, but it's not the part I enjoy. But you do you just do you know, there's only one or two big things. It just seems like there was a lot of stuff I wanted to turn away from watching it. Uh-huh. And I, I, I don't like that sort of stuff, so, you know, I'm probably turn away more than other people. Mm-hmm. If you like Aliens and you don't mind gore, it's, I think it's an interesting movie, well-filmed and everything. But, I don't know, I just felt like it was not quite what I would, what I would like to have seen. Okay. Uh, Total Recall, which was I heard kind of generic. Generic, kind of yeah. I, I won't try to explain it, it take too long, but... At some point, I'm like, like the entire plot stopped making sense to me. <laughs> like, and you, like, you watch like, Doctor Who, where, where there's yeah, lots of well, weird okay. So turns. they want to capture this guy so that he kind of does this double cross and reveals to them information. But they didn't want him to remember who he was either, and so there's no way for him to do the double cross unless he remembers who he is. So there seem to be two missions about him that contradicted both from the same evil guy. It didn't make any sense to me. So I don't know. It was yeah, it could have been it could have been a lot better. I haven't seen the original, but Well listeners, if you can explain to Nick, please leave us a yeah, comment and yeah. let I will him. I will take it. Uh, like after I'm talking to Natasha, I'm like, I I don't uh so, <laughs> exactly. Um Snow White Huntsman I went to see. Uh huh. Which was interesting. See this is a very one sided discussion. I, I haven't know. seen like almost any of these. Well, because you have a, we were talking before, you have a movie partner. Yeah, Natasha loves movies. Actually, I probably see a lot less movies if I wasn't married to Natasha. <laughs> um, she loves movies, and these were ones she wanted to see. The Snow White one was interesting, very stylistically, very, very cool, and, and actually much more balanced than I thought it would be. As in, not only did they have this evil dark forest and all this, but they had a, a light version, like with fairies and oh, goodness. Cool. And I was really impressed with this sort of, ba- you know, because normally you have magic, and it's all dark. Uh-huh. And you don't have much of this light stuff where you do with just the main character's you right. know, heart or something like that. Um, again, another movie that kind of just falls apart at the end, I feel like. I don't understand the last how the last 50 minutes works logically. The Snow White's in it, husband? Yeah. Okay. But visually, it was really, it was really cool. Okay. Emo- emotionally satisfying at the end. You're like, it just, it just kind of muddled. Like, the logic of it's kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. And Expendables 2, I saw. Probably not much you can say about that. Not much. I would say the first one's better. Really? Okay. Well, I just saw this, the first one this summer. The f- first one's really entertaining just for what it is. Uh-huh. The second one feels too in-jokey. Oh, really? Like, 
I mean, there were jokes in the first one, but this one feels like, at some point, you don't know how much of it's, you know, in the style of the 80s and how much of it's a parody. Uh-huh. They, it, it they, really, might, they might have gone too parody in this yeah, one. Yeah, and, and it, it starts confusing you about how serious you're supposed to take things that, you know, yeah. are not real easy to take seriously anyways in the style. But Expendables worked in one way because it was it played it very straight, even yeah. though you knew it was completely ridiculous. And that's but... why, I, and I love it, and I love it, and actually, just from a technical point of view, the conclusion, the, the finale, the last act of the first one, I enjoyed a lot more than I enjoyed the final act of this one. Oh, really? I just like the explosions, the actions, a lot more in the first one than in the second. Okay. And that's, I think that's not necessarily a flaw, that's just a preference. Mm-hmm. But I, I did think it was too parody-ish. Okay. I mean, they were funny, but then it kind of took away from mm-hmm. the movie, so it was hard to... Yeah. It was just, it was confused signals. That makes sense. All right. That's what we got. I spent most of my summer watching Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Which I know you enjoy. <laughs> I did very much. Hi, we're back. So that was our uh, discussion on movies that we had had, uh, like an episode or two ago. Yeah, not that long ago, really. Yeah, because summer just got over. So. Yeah. So one more real quick clip segment I think we're going to throw in for you. This is, man, this is the most heated discussion we yeah, ever no, had on the show. Normally Tim and I are like, yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree with you. No, yeah. you agree. But this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Natasha kind of had to break us apart eventually. Yeah, eventually. So yeah. We, we'll, we'll, we'll probably stop it before we get to the part where we start yelling. There's a couple fists thrown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, Tim. Those are fighting words. Because no, no, no I'm wait, serious. Wait, no, I am no. T- dead serious about this. Look, Tim, you're wrong. How can I be wrong? Everyone knows. Everyone, Nick. Everyone knows that Curious George is better than Frog and Toad. Tim, 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 Tim. By everyone, you mean the mass of unwashed people who just believe whatever is told to them. Okay. No. Have you read Frog and Toad? Have you sat down and read it? Uh, I think I had. No, no, see, I think no. I read it you, like you're way back. You're being influenced uh, by childhood memories of this curious George character. Okay. Okay. Here, here, lay, lay it frog, on. Frog and Toad. True story. I used it to teach short stories in class because it has with college students. Seriously? No, with my eighth graders. But oh. it was a little hard to pull off from the college students. Thought about it. Okay. Um. No. Okay. First off, there's such great camaraderie and humor in it. They're frog and toad, but they're really you and me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's there's this there's this smirk that comes through all the writing and it's such simple, clear writing. It's like okay, toad and frog go swimming. Boring. See, this is what you don't understand, Tim. You're hooked on the sensationalism of of, of disobedience, of rebellion. No, 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 no. no Curious George, all he does is okay. I just read Dufio. So the man with the yellow hat. It's like, hey George, it's three years since I stole you from the jungle. Happy what? birthday. Here's he, your bicycle. And then he says, have fun with your bicycle. I'm gonna go. Don't get in trouble. Okay. He's had Curious George for three years, and he's saying goodbye with a bicycle. Don't get in trouble. The man with the yellow hat is either the most dense person on the face of the planet, or he's a apparent unfit for a monkey, which is saying a lot. You are completely misunderstanding the entire purpose of this story. The man in the yellow tell hat. Me, tell me. The man in the yellow hat is a savior. He represents Jesus. Now you see, 
he rescued Curious George from this very, very dangerous jungle. I mean, have you ever been in the jungle, Nick? You've been in Brazil, I, I've right? I've been in the jungle, yes, Tim. You know, yes. there's, then you know, it is full of, of wild animals that would love to eat monkeys. So, eat so wait, monkeys. Let me finish here. You sound Nick. like, a, me, you sound like a, like an English professor who's like taking green eggs and ham, making it about some great nonsense. You're go- you're overreaching. Just listen to what I'm saying to you, Nick. I'm listening. I'm li- okay. Okay. I'll, I'll 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 try to understand. The curious George is re- is consumed with curiosity, and aren't we all? You know, we test our the boundaries of our world because we are trying to understand what it is all about. We're confused. We're lost. We you know this is this place is not our home. Even though you know sometimes as we are seeking to understand things, we may mess up, but. Our savior, the man in the yellow hat, is willing to come and forgive us and help us clean up whatever we've done wrong. It is the most fundamental message that any child could learn. Okay. First off, the man in the yellow hat is negligent and basically gets up, sends Curious George off to do what? Okay, I read another story. He He's shopping. The man in the yellow hat shopping. George gets up, runs away. Tours all of New York City, comes back, and the old man, man in y'all hats, like, where have you been? It's been like six hours. Not only that, but in the one I just read, he's, he, Curious George is at this traveling zoo, and the zoo people are like, hey, Curious George, you can work for us, which sounds kind of creepy. It's kind of a, you know, creeper vibe. But don't feed this ostrich, because he'll eat what it has. What, and you know what Curious George does? He feeds the, that is blatant rebellion sinful. This is like, yeah. hey, Eve, don't eat this apple. Oh, I'll go eat that apple. That sounds great. He almost kills the ostrich. It says the ostrich was getting blue in the face. You know, he's a he's a he's you know, a maniac. Okay, you you know you're. Meanwhile, you're... frog and toad. Listen, the frog and toad. Frog and toad. Hey, hey, hey! Frog and toad. Look, Taylor, you disrespect friendship that cannot be denied. It's this deep bond. Look, Toad loses his button, okay? You know he what you were saying button. about the man they all have being intelligent? People could say could call God intelligent because he just left us here on this planet by ourselves. But no, he is he comes, he helps helps us with our needs. Sure we're always gonna mess up. We're inherently sinful. Frog and Toad, yeah, they they're friends, but what do they really do together? They oh, waste all their time oh, no, like no, look at this. fishing okay, and okay. stuff. Do no, they no. help the poor, Nick? Do Frog and Toad ever help the poor of the animal kingdom? No, they just does eat. Curious George help the poor? Does answer that. Does Curious George help the poor? Answer me. Curious George no, 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 is no. a kid. You no, expect no. kids? Frog and toad are frogs and toads. Okay, look, look listen. They listen, have their listen, own houses. Listen, They're listen adults. The ser- listen to the servanthood nature of frog and toad. Frog toad loses his button. Okay, he's really upset about this. He gets really mad. He's hopping mad, and Toad goes with them, and they've already walked. They're exhausted. And he goes back to every spot and keeps looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. And then he finally finds it for him. So, and so that's just just self-giving. And then Toad, in thankfulness and in, in happiness, goes takes all the other buttons they found and makes a new coat for Toad. It's this. It's this kind. Of, it's like it's like a picture of Ruth. This sort of give and take. This perfection on Earth. Why didn't Frog just buy him another button? He was gonna. If he was so generous, he could have. He didn't have to waste okay, his see, time. See, this is all over for a single George, button. Okay, who cares George, about a button? It doesn't curious, mean anything. What, curious George, you've bought into this materialism. Curious George, all he's doing is getting stuff, getting stuff, getting stuff. 
Frog and Toad are, they live in nature. They're in communion with the simple things of life. Okay? Okay, Tim? You, you, I, okay, I think you're okay. just prejudiced against monkeys because they're from Africa. Prejudiced against monkeys? <laughs> Seriously. My wife I, had a monkey. No, my wife had a monkey. And you were jealous because you didn't have a monkey growing up. And I so have nothing to do with my childhood. Yes, it does. It does. I don't know what came over us that episode. Yeah, Tim, if I haven't apologized, um, I got a little heated. Yeah, and we both right, went a little, right. little far. Curse George is it's a nice story. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a good story. And Frog and Toad is, I enjoyed yeah, it. So, yeah, that's all right. Now, you know, that I mean, that I, little bear. Yeah, yeah. little bear. Yeah, yeah, who cares about him? Okay. Anywho. So, okay. Well, that was our recap episode. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, so you can relive some of those great moments that you may have missed. Yeah. Yeah, they were some of our favorites, and we know some of the fans love them. And in case you haven't heard them, go back, listen through all our episodes, and tell us what you think. Yes. We, w- we would love to hear, and yes, we'd love to hear. All so. right. So, man, I'm I'm kind of exhausted after reliving all those wonderful memories. Oh, man. We've had a good year, Tim. We have had a good year. It's like the end of uh, a Cloverfield. It was a good day. It was a good day. Okay. So, um, contact info. Contact <laughs> Well, how? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Okay, contact info, Tim. <laughs> right. Our our web address, as you all know, is derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Our email is derailedtrains at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and keep listening. I think next time and promote us on Twitter and Facebook and all whatever. over the place. Yeah. All right, we, Send we'll postcards. We'll have some exciting news for you coming up soon. So I guess I'll uh, yeah close out here. Close us out. We'll... Okay. I, uh, for my soundtrack, I actually just picked something kind of random because I didn't have any good, we had, I had so many emotions and memories that I didn't really have anything good that popped up. So I thought I'd just go with, um, good Super Mario Brothers. Um, it's a remix called The Two Two Blues. It's remixing the underwater music. Um, it's done kind of in the style of, a uh, Randy Newman Toy Story thing. And I guess, you know, we talk about Pixar some in one of our sections, so. There we go. That fits. It's kind of peaceful and different for me. It's a remake by Brentel Floss, mm-hmm. which I guess is relatively famous outside of... And the internet, internet gaming community, sort yeah. of. So it's a little different for me. I was trying to do some Maze Dude. It's very calming, especially after that kind of that last clip was yeah, kind of heated. Well, kind of heated, so... so. Alright, well, let's hope this should be good. And maybe we can find a way out of this warehouse without the game shot. Yeah, That'd be good. I'm hearing some, like, Russian voices outside. I, don't, I think that's a bad sign. I, I agree. Well, this has been Nick. And this is Tim. Uh, Until next time. Adios. Bye.
Now baby, I can swim all day Fish in my way Just out of reach Wait for me Maybe I'm coming I'm coming to set you free But until then I'll keep on swimming in the sea Keep on swimming in the sea. 